Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks.
Well, how are you, church? You good? It's great to be with you guys uh, this morning for a number of reasons. All the local team won. Uh, all the local teams won. Um, Georgia Tech on Friday night, which is normally a night that high school teams play, um, but they won. And uh, I'm not. I'm just saying. Um, and then Georgia last night, and some of us were in Athens for that. Oh man, the fact that Georgia Tech fans still love uh, the vine is a pretty amazing feat. That uh, lets you know that. With Christ, all things are possible. Um, it is great to be with you guys. And, and not just the local teams. We've got some folks from out of town that are fans of Notre Dame and their team won and is still winning. And even the Gators, that seems like they're back on track. So that's good. Um, and, uh, and you guys are here, which means that misery loves company. Um, this was the first ever like fall break for Gwinnett County and Hall County and like Jackson County all together. And so like, I didn't even know if we'd have enough to have church. You know, the Bible says we're two more gathered there. Jesus will be also, I was like, Lord, just let one other person show up so we can have church. And you guys are here, which means that you're my favorites. And I uh, really appreciate that. I mean, there's so many people out of town that one church strategically like canceled services today uh, in our area. And so if you're from that church, welcome to the Vine. We meet here every week. Um, and uh, <laughs> we rarely cancel services, but anyway. Um, and so we're grateful uh, that, uh, that you're here. I'm grateful that you're here because uh, more than two are gathered. And so we can have church in this place, right? So anyway, it's great to be with you guys. But more importantly, uh, this is our final week of our series that we've been in called Hero Maker, where we've been discovering that behind every hero, there's a hero maker. And that God has called us, whether it's our individual lives or our faith lives, to, to be hero makers, to make heroes of others, ultimately actually pointing to God uh, through Jesus Christ as the ultimate hero uh, of our lives, uh, to which we would um, give glory to God in all that we do. And so whatever we do individually, whether we're a student, whether we're adult, parent, a child, um, whether we're in the workplace or we're in the play place, God has called us to be uh, hero makers, giving him glory and uh, making heroes of others. So we've been talking about how to do that uh, through four practices. If you haven't been with us, if this is your first week, maybe this might seem a little out of context for you, so I just want to invite you to go back and to check out our, our previous four weeks in the series. Uh, but today we're going to talk about our fifth practice of a hero maker, and that is that hero makers are kingdom builders. Hero makers are kingdom builders. Um, and, and before we kind of get into what that looks like for us, you know, practically speaking, and, and also just in our, our faith life, um, I want to kind of define uh, what our kingdom is. All right, so I want everybody to kind of take out your phone. Uh, if you've got a if you've got a, a smartphone, if you've got a phone, go ahead and take it out. Um, like literally, I want you to take out this phone. I mean, we might be one of the few churches where we're like, hey, your phones are welcome in church. Um, so, so um, take out your phone. Um, there's a couple of things I want to do first. Um, hey, Andrew, um, Pastor Andrew is running the Chicago Marathon today, and so if you're connected to Pastor Andrew on social media, uh, Facebook or Twitter, or you've got his email address, or you just want a cell phone number here. Go ahead. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm not going to do that. But, but why don't you go ahead really quickly and just send him a note. Send him a note and just say, hey, um, which hey, he might even already be dead. I don't know. Like, um, you'd just be like, hey, pull him for you. I hope you did great. Go ahead and send him a note. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine running 26 miles. That's ridiculous. 26.2 miles. Anyway, um, 
I can't imagine doing that. But what I want you to do with your phone after that, after you send that note to him, is I want you to actually take a picture of yourself, okay? So, so um, take a selfie, um, you know, take a selfie. Some of you are good at this. Some of you might not be good at this. I can tell who's good at it based on how you do your arm positions, you know? And so if you know how to, to do it and how to hold it, um, then that's good. Um, and, uh, and so I'm actually gonna take a selfie with everybody behind me or the few of you that are here I'll do this side first, and then I'll do this side next. And, um, and so I want you to take a selfie, and then I want you to kind of hold on to this because you're going to need this in just a second. Um, when it comes to building the kingdom, sometimes we get consumed with building our own kingdom. Sometimes we get consumed with building our own kingdom um, and kind of operating in our own kingdoms. Hold on to that. Uh, yesterday at the, the Georgia game, um, I was there with uh, three of my four kids, and uh, we were sitting there, and when we got there, there was a couple that was uh, kind of strange uh, to our vicinity. We sit in the alumni section, and um, there's a couple that I didn't recognize before. They were sitting right in front of us, and the woman that was sitting in front of us, um, she was just moving to the music, the pregame music, um, but she kept taking like selfies um, and she was just like, you know, and it was funny because we we're right behind her and uh, my kids were laughing because in every one of her selfies, they were like photo bombing her pictures. <laughs> it was awesome. And then she kind of turned it to me and I was like trying to get in there, but not mess it up. And, um, and then standing up doing and like primping and just like the whole time she was like doing it. I mean, like people were actually watching from other sections of the stadium. So we're not watching the players warm up. We're watching this woman take selfies. It was awesome. Um, and then the whole time she was um, scrolling through like color, I guess, I don't know what you call it, like um, edits to that. And so she's scrolling through and she's like checking out what this looks like and what this looks like and what this looks like. Eventually she settled on something and then posted it. And I'm like, I'm watching her and I'm just thinking, man, this is sermon illustration at the last minute. Thank you, Lord. Um, so I'm changing, changing the opening to this. And, uh, and I'm just watching her and the whole time she's like, she's engaged right here. In, in this little phone world and she's engaged in pictures and she's engaged in how she's editing a photo and she's engaged in posting this to social media. And then throughout the game, she's going back to social media and she's checking and likes and she's clearing her cue. And I mean, she's, she's just like all about this. And I'm like, you're missing you're missing a game. You're missing what's going on around us. In the fourth quarter at Georgia Games, like we go into the fourth quarter and at night games, everybody turns on their cell phone lights and we do this thing. It's really awesome. Even if you're not like a Georgia fan, you got to admit it's really, really cool. And, and she sat down and she was like here and I was like, what is going on? And we live, we live in a world, it's so focused on self, so focused on self. And we live in this kingdom of self. And um, I think just that, that one example, and, and I don't know her heart, and I'm not trying to judge her heart, and I'm not trying to judge her motives, and, and it could be completely cool and everything's awesome. I'm just saying that it was kind of a picture for me of what this kingdom of self looks like, where we get so consumed with ourselves, the way we look. We get so consumed with the way we project ourselves in our lives. We get so consumed with with people's comments about who we are. We get so consumed with people's likes. Do people like us? I mean, we get so consumed with that, and that is the kingdom of self. 
And that is actually the culture that we live in. We live in this culture that says, hey, it's all about you. It's all about the individual. It's all about me and, and what I look like and what I have and how many people like me. And, and it's so um, easy for us to get sidetracked from the way that God has designed us or desires us to live when we get focused on the kingdom of self. And what we're going to see today is that when it comes to our individual lives, what God has called us to individually and then what God has called us to corporately in our faith journey together is that he has called us to build the kingdom, but not our kingdom, God's kingdom, not the kingdom of self, but the kingdom of Christ. And so today we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about what it means to be a kingdom builder. And if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that you might want to write down. Hero makers are kingdom builders, but in order to build the kingdom. You have to belong to the kingdom. To build the kingdom, you must belong to the kingdom. Um, and so when we talk about the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of self, the kingdom of God is where God reigns and where God rules in our lives through a personal relationship with him. And what Jesus came to announce to the entire world that was previously felt like they were off limits was that the kingdom of God is open and available to them through a personal relationship with God. Uh, previous to that, the kingdom of God was an exclusive club. Previous to that, the kingdom of God was just meant for people that obeyed certain religious rules. And so if you were um, not a part of that religious rule um, following organization or group, then you were excluded. If you were irreligious, meaning that you didn't um, uh, follow any rules at all, you were excluded. Um, if you were not religious, you were excluded. And Jesus says, hey, to the entire world, the kingdom of God is available to you. And he had a very radical message to the point where certain groups of people, because they couldn't follow rules, they were excluded. Uh, one group being children. And so at one point in his ministry, Jesus is teaching, he's doing some teaching, and uh, some people want to bring some children to Jesus. And as they're bringing people to Jesus, his own disciples, his, his closest followers, some of them um, who had been with him for um, day in and day out for a number of, of, um, of weeks, months, maybe at this point even years, um, just kind of pushed the kids away. They, they kind of formed this buffer around Jesus and they're like, no, nah, don't, don't bother the rabbi um, with these kids. And Jesus rebukes those disciples. And he says something interesting about these kids. He says, um, don't don't um, keep these children away from me because the kingdom of God, get this, belongs, belongs to them. And they belong to it. And he uses this terminology, belong. Belong, because we all have a longing to belong. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago in a previous series. We all have a longing to belong. We all want to, to find community in something. And um, the greatest desire of our heart is to belong to God. And what Jesus says in that moment is that every person, even these children who cannot offer anything of, of value, of worth in earthly terms in the kingdom of earth or the kingdom of self perspective, they belong to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God belongs to them. So don't keep them away from me. And, and by kind of indirect implication, Jesus is saying, because I'm actually the entry point into the kingdom of God. It's a pretty powerful story. And, and it points out that, that we all belong in the kingdom of God and that Jesus wants that to be the invitation for all of us. 
But when we talk about like this, this like ideal of building God's kingdom and not the kingdom of self, in order to, to build it, we've got to belong to it. And the way that we belong to the kingdom of God is through belief. It's through belief. Uh, Jesus um, was talking to, to um, his followers at another point about the kingdom of God and how to, to belong to the kingdom of God. And not only has he already said, hey, um, kids belong in the kingdom, the kingdom belongs to the kids. He says, if you wanna belong to the kingdom, you've gotta be like kids. That's exactly what Jesus said. If you want to belong in the kingdom, as adults, he's talking to the adults. If you wanna belong to the kingdom, you've got to, to be like kids. And the, the greatest attribute of kids is their willingness to believe. It's their trust because they have nothing else. If you're a parent or a grandparent and you've been around kids, like they have to trust. And that's what forms over those early years because they cannot sustain life on their own, right? They have to trust. So the very basic level of belief that's just like a child who, if you want to belong to the kingdom, you must be like, is built on this basic level of trust, trust in Jesus. In order to belong to the kingdom, you must believe that Jesus is king. You must believe that Jesus is king. And, um, and so we know through scripture that there's this, uh, this uh, just repeated message that in order to have access to the kingdom, this life eternal, this life where, where we live with God forever and eternity, this life where we get to experience eternity here on earth, it begins with a place where we say, hey, you know what, Jesus? I believe that you're king. I believe that your Lord is kind of the word that the Bible uses. We don't really use that word a whole lot anymore. King is kind of outdated as well. And when I'm talking to kids, I say, who's the boss of your life? Maybe that's something that we can understand. And they're usually like, my parents, you know, and I'm like, no, you know, hey, Jesus, in order to belong to the kingdom of God, we must believe that Jesus is king. And so my question is, do you believe that Jesus is king? Not just the savior of your life, but the king of your life. And there's a difference there. Because when we believe that Jesus is the savior of our life, what we know is that, hey, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. He came back from the dead. And through that, Jesus offers forgiveness of sins that we receive by faith. And we go, hey, that punches my ticket into heaven when I die. But what about here when you live? And in order to experience what Jesus came to offer us, which is life and life to the full, life abundantly, and to experience life in this purpose of God, individually in your life, collectively in our faith, we've got to trust that Jesus is king. In other words, we've got to surrender the throne of our life to Jesus and say, hey, I want you to lead my life. And there's a difference in that dynamic. When you shift in your heart, and the throne of your life gets occupied by Jesus. It changes who you are. Not just where you'll be one day in the sweet by and by when we go to be with Jesus in the sky. It changes who you are. There's an identity shift and you start to believe, not just that Jesus is king, but you start to believe who Jesus as king says you are. And that changes everything about your perspective in life. 
It changes the way we see ourselves. And, and I just wanted to share with you some scripture about who God says that you are. When you belong to the kingdom and when Jesus is your king, I want you to hear who Jesus or God says that you are. In Romans 8, uh, 14 and 15, you are an adopted son or daughter of God. In Romans 8, 17, you're a co-heir with Christ, with Jesus, sharing in his eternal inheritance. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, you're a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians 6.17, you're joined to the Lord and you're one with him. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a new creation in Christ. Ephesians 1, 1 Corinthians 1, Philippians 3, Ephesians 2, you're no longer a sinner, but you're a saint who sins sometimes. In Philippians 3.20, you are a citizen of heaven. In Ephesians 2, you're a co-citizen with the family of God in heaven. And in Ephesians 2.10, you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a piece of work. All right, turn to your other neighbor and say, you're... You're a piece of art. <laughs> and, and look, if you've been around the vine long enough, you, you know that we've done that before. But what a great reminder that you are actually a masterpiece of God. You are his workmanship. You are art that God created. And when Jesus is Lord, you're recreated in Christ as this work of art to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. I don't know where the advance was. Maybe it was before you were conceived in your mother's womb. Maybe it was while God was knitting you together, as scripture said. Maybe it was in that time between your birth and then your rebirth in Jesus. But somewhere in advance to you, trusting, believing that Jesus is Savior and King, there was some good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. As if to say, you individually have a plan and a purpose for your life. And then collectively, we can live that together in this community where we belong to one another called the church. This was created for you. You are workmanship. But you've got to belong to the kingdom in order to do those good works. You've got to believe in the king in order to do those good works. And so when it comes to building the kingdom and we go, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's because we don't know what we look like in the kingdom when we belong to it. And so hopefully that will begin to resonate with you. And so I asked you to take a picture, right? And, and I, I don't know, maybe some of you have already posted that to social media and you checked in at the Vine, which, by the way, check in at the Vine every week, okay? Um, but what I want you to do is maybe go back to that picture. And if you've got any editing tools, maybe you can write in or lay over some text on top of that. And maybe not just post it to social media. You don't need to post it to social media. Just put it as your lock screen. Uh, Put it as something that you'll see every day with one of those verses maybe that resonated with you, that you were adopted as a son or a daughter of God, that you're a co-heir with Christ, that you're no longer a sinner, but a saint who sins. <laughs> you, you are a citizen of heaven. You're a part of the family of God, that you are, you are God's workmanship. And what if instead of like posting a selfie 
so that the world can like it. We posted a picture of ourselves so that we could start to like who God says that we are. Because it's out of that identity that we will then be able to do what God has created us to do, which is the good works, which is the building of his kingdom. And so if you want to know what building God's kingdom looks like, it starts with belonging to the kingdom and the belief of who we are, that God says that we are, not what Facebook, not what Instagram, not what Twitter says that we are. And we live out of that identity in a way that changes the world. Um, one of our worship leaders at the Vine Church, he's a primary worship leader over at Flowery Branch Campus. His name is Matt Johnson. He um, attended a connect group uh, two years ago. Um, and this is what he wrote about that connect group experience. Two years ago, I had the opportunity to join a connect group for a year that forever changed my life. I must admit, I came in a bit guarded at first and a little nervous as I heard the curriculum would really challenge me. But that was exactly what I needed, a challenge to my status quo and an environment where God can unpack areas of my life that did not match up with his truths. From day one, identity was a heavy focus and for good reason. I found that I had been living below my identity and for the first time I was able to confront the fear of living out the life Jesus paid for and called me to. Understanding my identity as a beloved son has allowed me great freedom to overcome personal affliction, pray for healing, expect the miraculous, and welcome with joy the spontaneous moves of the Holy Spirit. There's an eagerness deep within me to commune with God and to listen to his voice. Now listen to this. Knowing your identity in Christ unleashes the unique person God made you to be in order to bring heaven to earth. Belonging to the kingdom changes everything about the way you see yourself. And it changes everything about the way you see this world. Where once we are firm in our identity, we can take the lens of our phone and we can change it from a self photo to a world photo. Where we don't look at the, the stadium through the lens of ourself, but where we just take in what is around us and what God's doing in us. And that leads us to kingdom building. In order to build the kingdom, we must bring the kingdom. In order to, to build the kingdom of God, we must bring heaven to earth. Um, in order to, to build the kingdom of God, you must belong to the kingdom of God. But in order to build the kingdom of God, you must bring heaven to earth. Um, and bringing heaven to earth begins, by, begins with um, seeking heaven. It begins seeking heaven. Um, Jesus is doing some teaching in Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles or a Bible app, I want to invite you to go there. In Matthew chapter 6, he does some teaching about anxiety and worry. I don't know if any of you come into this place worried or anxious about anything. Typically when we're anxious and we worry, and this is like a, a really short like kind of diagnosis, it's, it's because we, we're focused on kingdom of self. And that's, that's not to excuse or that's not to diminish anxiety and worry. It's not at all. And it's more complex than that. But if you were just to kind of pare it down to the most simplistic form of anxiety and wor worry, it's related to kingdom of self. And so Jesus is teaching and he says, hey, don't be anxious about anything. 
Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. I mean, this is, this is crazy talk, Jesus. And, and if you're consumed or worried about what you'll wear, what you'll eat, don't worry about that because God cares for you. God cares for you so much that he's willing to tell you who you are when you belong to the kingdom. And then he says something at the very end of that teaching, not to worry about the things of the kingdom of self. He says to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's found in verse 33 of Matthew chapter six. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Building the kingdom begins by seeking the kingdom. Building the kingdom begins by saying, hey, first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna assess God. Like what's your reign and your rule look like? What does it look like this morning? Alarm clock goes off. Eyes open, maybe one eye at a time. You hit snooze. You're laying there in between alarm going off and the next time it goes off and, and you're starting to think about the day first. God, what do you want to do? Like, what are you up to? What do you have for me? How do you want to use me? I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. That righteousness means like right living with God and right living with others. God, God, what do you want to do today? Building the kingdom seeks that first. So then when you walk into Sanford Stadium and there are 92,000 people, you go, God, what are you up to in this place? Besides a dog win. You know, like what are you up to in this place? Not... God, what are you up to when you go to your, your school tomorrow or Tuesday because you're on fall break, students are jealous. God, what are you up to today when you go to your workplace tomorrow because adulting's hard? God, what are you up to today when you go to Mocha Mo's? God, what are you up to in this place? Building the kingdom begins by seeking the kingdom. God, what are you doing? Where are you already on the move? And how can I join in on that? Seeking first the kingdom. And when you start to seek first the kingdom, when you start to, to take the lens off of self and put it on the world and start to say, God, what are you doing? When I look through this camera, when I look at all these folks in, in view of my camera, not myself, what are you doing in the world? It, it will allow you to participate in building the kingdom. And you can do this wherever you go. In your families, your schools, your workplaces, your, your neighborhood gatherings. You can do this wherever you go. And you'll see that if you start to ask that question, God, what are you up to right now? God will start to reveal to you where he's already on the move. Let me give you an example. This past week on Monday night, I was at Braden's football practice. And I sit down in my chair, I get ready to go. And I said, God, is there any, anybody that you want me to encourage right now? Is there anybody that you want me to encourage right now? And, and I was prompted with the names of two people. They're a mother and they're a daughter. Um, and, um, and so I just sent the, the mother and the daughter a text and then just said, hey, just uh, you were on my mind, you were on my heart. Just wanted to check in and see if there was anything I could pray about. And the mom was like, oh my gosh, 
we were just together at dinner. This daughter's in college and, and at campus, which is the closest place to heaven on earth in Athens. And, and they were together in dinner. She lives in Buford. They were together at dinner when I sent the text. She was on her way home. I don't know if she was texting and driving. And she said, I'll fill you in later. So when she gets, I guess, to her home, she sends me this long text of why they were together, what they were discussing, and how powerful it was that just a simple text let them know that God was thinking about them. What does that do in that moment to build encouragement and, and build in hope and, and build into this reality that God is on the move all around us and to build the kingdom of God in our individual lives and then corporately in our faith, we seek first the kingdom. God, what are you doing today? And, and that extends beyond like our individual lives and like those moments where we send texts to like, hey God, who needs heaven here on earth? Um, just, just this past week, I got a, an email from a woman in our church whose son is a, um, in high school. And um, this past week, he led a, a classmate, a junior in high school to faith in Jesus. I'm reminded of a middle schooler um, in our student ministry who was telling me this summer when she went to summer camp, there was this girl that started asking questions about her faith um, because she saw that this girl in our youth group was living differently than the other ones. Her, her name is Michaela. And, um, and so I was talking with Michaela about that moment. And Michaela said, I said, well, what did you do when she started asking you about faith? I was, she said, well, I just asked her if she, had, if she wanted to give her life to Jesus. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, that's it? And she's like, yeah. Like I've sweated over that moment with people. Like, Oh God, All right, here we go. Do you want to give your life to Jesus? It's okay if you want to say no. You know? And most of us will never ask a person that question. And this middle schooler says, hey, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And she was like, yeah. And I said, well, how'd you do that? And she goes, I don't know. I just pray that prayer with her that you pray every Sunday after service is over. I was like, that's a good deal, you know? That's a good deal. Like, God, where do you want heaven to come into people's lives so that they know they belong in the kingdom? And if we'll start to live with this lens, God will do some amazing things in our lives. I was at Catalyst Conference this past week with our staff and some of the leaders in our church. And um, they bring in leaders from all over the country and pastors from all over the country. And, and there was this one guy, and I'd heard his story at a Catalyst Conference a long time ago. In fact, it shaped some of the early years of the Vine Church um, with some stories. This, guy named, this guy's name is Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison, um, when he turned 18, went to New York City. He wanted to become a nightclub promoter. And so he went to, to New York City to become a nightclub promoter. He became an alcoholic. He started using uh, cocaine. He started living in relationships that, or being in relationships that he shouldn't have been in and, and kind of had this bottoming out like story, almost like the prodigal son, if you've ever heard that story. And so he went on a two-year trip. And that two-year trip was to get away from New York City and he goes to Africa and he comes across um, this knowledge that in Africa, there are a lot of uh, countries, there are a lot of villages that don't have clean drinking water. And um, he starts to, to kind of put all of this together and realize, hey, when it comes to building God's kingdom, um, essentially what our call is to do is to say, hey, where on earth, where on earth is your will in heaven not being lived out? It's, it's why Jesus when he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To where we start to go, okay, if I just flip the view of my life and I take it off of myself and the kingdom of self and I just say, hey God, this is your kingdom. You wanna reign and rule in this world. Where is your will in heaven not being played out on earth? And for Scott, when he went to Africa, he said, he, he, he just had this moment where he was like, every person should have clean water on earth. Would you agree with that? I mean, would you agree? Like, like 100% of us agree with that. And Scott was like, well, then I got to do something about it. And so he kind of had this like two-year transformation thing. And we were actually processing. We were like, was that immediate? Like, I mean, he, he left the alcohol. He left the drugs and the cocaine. He left the sex. He left the party life. And then he started using parties as a way to promote what he calls charity water. And so charity water for the last uh, few years has been rallying, raising money around parties to pay for these communities across the globe to get clean water. And he does it because Jesus changed his life. And when Jesus changed his life, it changed his perspective on the world to where he said, hey, whatever is in heaven, but not here on earth. It is our responsibility as kingdom belongers and kingdom builders to bring heaven to earth. And he believes, and I believe it with him, that in our lifetime, in our generation, every community on the face of the planet should have clean water and will have clean water. But what else? What is it that you see and you go, you know what, when I take a look at this, this doesn't seem like heaven on earth, but while we are here and because we belong to the kingdom and the kingdom belongs to us, it is our responsibility to bring heaven to earth. What is it that you see that changes your perspective, that you're called to build into this world that you have? And, and it's so easy for us to go, okay, well, in my family, this is what it looks like, that's awesome. But what does it look like in your school? What does it look like in your workplace? What does it look like in your neighborhood and in your community? And what does it look like if a church is between 650 people during summer and 900 people in August would say, everywhere we go, we're gonna change the lens of our perspective and go, hey God, where are you on the move? And what do you want me to bring? What would it look like if everywhere people in the Chateau Alain Brazelton community and the Flowery Branch community went to a shop or went to get coffee or, or went to a neighborhood gathering and everywhere there were representatives from the vine? Like just processing, God, where are you on the moon? God, what, what are you doing here? Who do you want me to encourage? Where do you want heaven to come in this moment? Wouldn't it be amazing if people everywhere they went couldn't get away from kingdom builders? You want to see transformation happen in the community? And I want to see transformation happen in the community. Like, I want to see not just a church come alive. I want to see a community come alive. In fact, I had a vision about 10 years ago when we started the church that there was a red dot right on this exit, right on this location, where people were like flocking to the community because of the difference that was being made. What would it look like if we all said, hey, instead of the kingdom of self, 
God, I want to build the kingdom of God. It's as simple as this. If you'll take your finger, this is the last participatory component of the day, which is a relief to some of you. If you'll take your finger, everybody participate. We're not leaving until you do this. Every one of you. All right, here we go. This is what we typically do, kingdom of self. So just do this. But the kingdom of God is this. Just do that. Instead of this, it's this. And so get out of here. No. <laughs> so as we wrap up here at Maker Series, as you go into schools, into workplaces, into play places, wherever you go, that's the kingdom of God. It's not this, it's this. And so as we pray this morning, if you don't belong to the kingdom and you know you don't belong, but Jesus has invited you and you want to belong in the kingdom of God, I just want to invite you to have simple faith, simple belief, simple trust in Jesus as Savior and King. And if you already belong to the kingdom of God, will you believe what God has said about you in the kingdom? That you're adopted, you're a co-heir, you're a citizen, you're a part of the family, and that you're a piece of work, I mean a piece of art, and that you're called to go. You're sent. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine? So great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me His own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the
Sing that together. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body. 